Good evening. It's great to see everybody. I have uh, been looking forward to this particular study. We're going to be going through it for, oh, several Sunday evenings. And, you know, I repeat these Sunday evening lessons I have designed since we've gotten back to Sunday evenings, going back quite a ways now after COVID. I've designed these to be faith building. You know, on Sunday mornings, a lot of times, well, mostly in Sunday mornings, we, you know, we have, we have visitors and we have, you know, travelers coming in. Sunday evenings, it's more of our core membership, but we still have visitors and I'm thankful for them. And these, these lessons can be very valuable and helpful for those who are visiting with us as well. But I really wanted to focus on these Sunday evening lessons, really focusing on helping us to be strong and grow stronger and stay strong in our faith and faithfulness. And again, the two are different. Faith is my personal belief. Faithfulness has to go with faith for my faith to be productive. And so faithfulness is me putting my faith into action through obedience and dedication and commitment on a consistent basis. Beware of drifting. Beware of drifting. Well, I want us to really think about this. And, and again, I want to be careful and, and, and focus on each section of this that I have planned. We always need to be aware of our spiritual direction. We really do. It's easy for us, even, even those who might say, well, I've, I've been in the church most of my life. I've been, I've been faithful most of my life. You know, it's still easy for us to drift into sin or to drift into doctrinal error or into outright unfaithfulness without even realizing that it's happened, that it's happening, without realizing that we've gone off course until somewhere along the line, hopefully we wake up and we say, whoa, I, I, this is not where I ought to be. All of us probably, or at least most of us, have heard of congregations that have drifted off from the hard and fast pathway that God's word guides us to stay in as the church. Probably all of us as individuals have known of Christians, individual Christians in our life, family members, friends, so on, who have maybe been faithful for years, but then they've drifted away. For one reason or another, some kind of influence took place in their life and they let that influence drift them away from faithfulness and dedication to God. I want us to, to think about the principle. As I said, it's easy, and I mean it's easy. The devil's always working on us in whatever way that he can to weaken us in our faith and in our faithfulness. As I've emphasized many, many times in teaching and preaching over the years, he doesn't have to turn us completely against God. He doesn't have to make us an atheist. He just has to get us off path. He just has to get, has to get us to become unfaithful. We can still say, I have faith, but because I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. But if he can get us to become unfaithful, then he's got us to drift away from where we ought to be. And ultimately, very possibly, if not probably, into eternal condemnation. Now, think about a pilot flying a plane. 
I've flown many times, many, many times in my life, different destinations, but always just across country to one degree or another. My wife and I last year, about this time, just a little before this time in February, we flew to Hawaii. I had never flown over that much open water. I know we went a long time. I think it was five, about five hours over open water, just over the Pacific Ocean before we finally got to, to Hawaii. I remember one of the tour guides as we were on an excursion sometime after we had gotten there saying, and he kind of put things in perspective for me and, and really ought to be in perspective for a lot of people thinking, you know, about just where Hawaii is located. He said, you know, we're 2,500 miles from the nearest landmass. I had not realized it was that far. But then again, we traveled about five hours over open water, 2,500 miles. He said, I think he said 90% of, of our food has to be shipped in from the mainland or from somewhere else. And he said, so if a hurricane comes or a pandemic, he said, the ship stopped coming and we've got to just wait for them to start back up again. 90%. I had thought that over the years, especially since Hawaii had become a state, and I remember when that happened in, among the United States, I thought, well, probably technology has developed here and everything and their, in, their industrial you know, capacity has grown and everything. Not so. And I, I suspect that perhaps it's even diminished because it's become more and more of a tourist, tourist economy, tourist-driven economy, and even brought that out. So think about that pilot. He's flying that plane over the Pacific Ocean, or he's flying that plane over the Atlantic Ocean. And so there's no landmass there's no city where he can look down and say, yeah, oh yeah, that's the lights of say, you know, Des Moines. Yeah, we're on path. I recognize that. I always see that as I make this trip. There's no landmass. There's no markers for him. He's got his compass and that's what he has to keep focus on. He has to stay focused on that compass to make sure that his plane is absolutely exactly on course. Now, you can say the same thing about a ship at sea and the pilot guiding that ship at sea. Again, have to make sure they're following the, the course, their compass, they're right on the compass. Because you say, well, what if, what if, you know, is it that big a deal? Depending on the distance they're traveling to their destination, if they're off by just one degree on that compass, just one degree, they can miss their destination by 50 miles or 100 miles or even more. So if they're off a little bit, that pilot flying that plane may end up missing all of the Hawaiian islands. Or if he's going from New York to say Paris, France, he may end up somewhere else altogether. Just one degree, one degree, that's all. Now think about a marksman, he's out there and he's uh, sighting in his, his rifle or his pistol to hit the target. He's gonna practice, you know, he's looking to hit the bullseye exactly. He has to sight in his rifle for distance, for wind velocity, and for direction. Now we think about a, 
a rifle firing, especially high-powered firing a, a bullet, and we think, well, that's going to go straight to that course, straight to that target. What's going to stop? What's going to, to get a, a bullet traveling at the velocity that it is that it is ejected out of the barrel of that rifle or that pistol, what's going to knock it off course? Wind? Distance, depending on how far the target is that he's shooting at, that eventually slows down enough that it can, it can kind of the trajectory can, can lower. But if there's, you know, a little wind, that's going to have an effect on that shell firing from the barrel of the rifle or the pistol to the target. And he also, has to, he also has to take into consideration uh, the direction. What, what's he firing at? Where? Yeah. And so everything has to be just right for him to hit the target at the bullseye or to hit the target altogether. And if his sighting is off just a little bit, and again, we're talking just a tiny fraction, he can miss the target altogether, let alone miss the bullseye. So there, again, it's the idea of drifting. That wind can cause that shell to drift. If the pilot is not watching his compass flying that plane across the ocean, well, there are wind currents, and if he's not watching, it can cause his, his plane to drift off course, at least a little bit, and he can miss his destination altogether. Now, in our spiritual life especially, we need to be careful even extra careful, more extra careful. You read verses of scripture like that. Give the more earnest heed, you know, and we're going to read about that in just a moment, to make sure that we stay on course in our spiritual life, in our spiritual life. Let's talk about two words that we automatically recognize, sin. We say, I know what sin is. You know, that's when we do wrong. Well, that's sin of commission. But then sin of omission is when we don't do what we should do. James talks about that at the end of James chapter 4 when he says, for him who knows what is right to do, for him it is sin, but does not do it, for him it is sin. Now, what's the definition of sin technically? Did you realize that it means literally a missing of the mark? Sounds like that pilot who's allowed the plane to drift a little off course, doesn't it? And then the other word that we'd say, well, that's just a synonym for sin, and that's transgress or transgression. Well, again, very similar technical definition. To transgress is to go aside or to go beyond. Basically, boiled down, again, it means missing the mark missing the mark of righteousness that we're supposed to keep ourselves in as we live our lives on, a, on an ongoing basis. Now, sin, missing the mark, transgress, to go aside, to go beyond. And again, basically, they both mean exactly the same thing. We need to be careful to not drift away from, spiritual, from the spiritual course that God has set for us in his word. We talked about this this morning. This is our map. We talked about that in the adult class. This is our guidebook. 
It's to keep us on course in our spiritual lives. And we need to be careful to not drift away from the spiritual course that God has set for us in his word. Not drift away. The Hebrews writer addressed this. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. Now you talk about very focused attention, extra focused attention. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Where have we heard them? God's word. Lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. I used to do a whole lot of fishing earlier in my life, but mostly from a bank at a river or a pond or a lake. But occasionally I'd I'd be able to get with somebody who had a boat and we'd go out. And one thing I learned was if you're going to fish from a boat, you need, need to make sure you've got an anchor with you so you can stabilize that boat wherever you're finding the fish are biting. You want to stay right there so you can keep catching fish. But now let's say somebody goes, he doesn't take an anchor with him. So he gets in his boat, he goes along the shoreline somewhere, he starts casting out, oh, they're biting here. That's where he wants to stay. He's catching fish for 15 minutes or so, one after another. I've even seen where you could catch, depending on how you rigged up your line, catch two fish at one time. They bite on two different hooks. But after a while, he stops catching fish. And he realizes, I haven't caught any fish for 20 minutes or so. What happened? Did they stop biting? Did they move? No, they didn't move. He starts examining where he is on the shoreline, and he realizes, I've drifted away. I'm 20, 30, 50 yards down the shore from where the fish were biting. Well, what happened? The current in that body of water that he was fishing on gradually drifted his boat down shore. And it was so gradual that he didn't realize it was happening until he finally, you know, stopped and thought, hey, I'm not catching fish. Where am I? Oh, I was catching them way down there. He gradually drifted away. We need to give the more earnest heed in our spiritual lives in the direction that our lives are taking, that we're living, that we don't drift away. Again, look at the strong language there. Give the more earnest heed. When we stop and think, we need to ask ourselves. Now, we can understand how that pilot flying that plane or that pilot guiding that ship across the ocean, how they can drift away. There's going to be currents up there, wind currents on the on the the surface of the water, there's going to be waves, there's going to be, you know, currents along the, the water. That's, they've got to be careful, make sure they keep their, their vessel on course, lest they drift away. But what about in our life? How can we, as faithful Christians, not wanting to drift away from the truth of God's word, from the truth of true faithfulness, how can we drift away from God, from Jesus? How can we drift away from faithfulness? How can we drift away from the church? And let me emphasize right here, all of these are a package deal. If someone says, well, I'm still faithful to God, but they stop coming to 
worship God with the church on a regular basis, they're already drifting. In fact, they've already drifted. If they say, well, you know, I, I, I still believe in God, I still believe in Jesus, and every now and then they may show up at a church service, but not regularly. And they're living a life of unfaithfulness in one way or another. They've entered into some kind of sinful lifestyle or practices. They've already drifted away. And they're drifting on an ongoing basis. They all go together. You can't, you can't say, well, I, I'm, I'm still holding on to God and Jesus and, 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 you know, faithfulness, but the church, I don't need the church. You've already drifted. And you're still drifting. You take one of those out of that, out of that succession there, God, Jesus, faithfulness, the church, you try to take one of those out of there and say, that's not that important. You're already drifting. In fact, you've already drifted. So how, how can we end up drifting away from God, away from Jesus, away from faithfulness, away from the church? And here's the answer, by neglecting our faith, by simply neglecting our faith, by neglecting our spiritual life, our soul, by neglecting our relationship with God. You're flying that plane over the open ocean, or even if you're going across land, or you're on that ship going across the ocean, you want to make sure that that pilot pays attention to his course because you want to get to the destination that you're trying to get to. Starts neglecting to watch his course, all kinds of bad things can happen. Now think about flying across the Pacific Ocean and he misses his destination. There's a whole lot of water on the other side of Hawaii. What if he runs out of fuel along the way? No place to land out there. All kinds of bad things can happen, but it's even worse if we drift away from God, if we drift away in our spiritual life because our soul is at stake. By neglecting our faith, by neglecting our spiritual life, our soul, our relationship with God, we can drift away from God, from faithfulness, from our Lord and Savior, from the church. The Hebrews writer goes on in verse 3 in chapter 2, and he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? We start neglecting our faithfulness, our faith, we're going to be drifting. It's not a matter of, of, of if, it's a done deal. We start neglecting our faith, we start neglecting our faithfulness, we've already started drifting, already started drifting away. We need to stay focused on faithfulness. I know I bring this particular verse of scripture up a lot, the very end of Revelation chapter two and verse 10, but it needs to be burned into our brain. Jesus said, be faithful until death. Now that's not drifting. That's not sporadic. That's not hit or miss. He said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life obviously is talking about eternal home, uh, an eternal life in heaven. But now what's, what's that contingent upon? Staying faithful all through our physical life. And then we can have confidence that we will be there with him in heaven. 
We need to stay on course. We need to stay focused on our spiritual life, on our soul, on our relationship with God. Boy, you talk about a great text of scripture that guides us along this line, that tries to, again, really, really uh, get across with, with, you know, extra force, the understanding that we need to pay attention. We need to stay on course. Proverbs chapter four, verses 25, 26, and 27. The wise man wrote, now think about this. You talk about the definiteness with which he has given this instruction and we need to follow this instruction, this guide, these guidelines. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. How many car accidents happen because somebody's driving down the street and they get distracted because they're looking over, over here at some storefronts or maybe a playground where some kids are playing or, or they're looking over here at some, you know, trees you know, and how they're changing colors in the fall and so on or maybe blooming out in the spring and then they turn around and they're right on another car or maybe somebody stepped out in front of them. How many accidents happen that way by just not keeping their focus as intent as it needs to be. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. And then I like this next one. It just reinforces with a little different imagery, the same thing. And your eyelids look right before you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. If you've ever walked along a path, say, in a wooded area, maybe you're hiking, you keep looking at the pathway, don't you? If you're not careful, you can get off the path and you can get off somewhere you get lost. Ponder the path of your feet. Now, from a spiritual perspective, ponder, think about, focus on how you're living your life, how you're moving forward daily, and let all your ways be established. Again, not without, or not in a careless fashion. Don't, let's not live in a careless fashion and, and you know, just be kind of coming to and going to and fro, back and forth, wishy-washy in the way that we're living our life and the pathway that we're taking through life. He says, let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Stay on the path. Stay on course. Watch your compass in life. And that compass, we can say, is guided by God's word. Stay on course. Remove your foot from evil. Don't toe the line to see how close you can get to sin without actually committing the sin. Stay away from it altogether. Just remove your foot from evil. Remove yourself from whatever temptation the devil may be laying out there in front of you. What did the Apostle Paul say? Abstain from every form of evil. Don't allow yourself to be in a, in, in, a, in a situation or in an environment that would unduly put you in a tempting situation, that would unduly put you under, under some kind of temptation to be unfaithful, to sin, that, that's unnecessary for you to be in. 
Choose your path carefully. Keep your eye. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly. We've talked about that word. Mark's talked about that word. We're talking about super carefully. And the imagery that, that, that I've come up with that, that explains it best in my mind is if you've ever played chess, you know you don't just make the next move without thinking about the move after that and the move after that and the move after that. You're really thinking ahead two or three or four moves and the masters more moves than that. They know exactly what's going to happen if they take this initial move and that's going to, they hope, it's going to provoke their opponent to take a move in reaction that they want them to take, and then they know what they're going to do after that and what their opponent is going to do and what they're going to do after that and what their opponent is going to do. It, it's you know, quite an intellectual game. Checkers is, is like it, but on a lower level. But he says, see that you walk circumspectly. Think about, if you take this action, if you make this move in your life, if you, got in, if you get involved in this particular situation, what's that going to lead to? And then what's that going to lead to? And what's that going to lead to? And that's the idea of walking circumspectly. And then he says, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, taking advantage of the time you've got because the days are evil and all we have to do is look all around us, any direction, and we see the days are evil. The devil, this, this world is under the sway of the devil we read in scripture. We need to be on guard. We need to be aware that evil lurks all around us. Our lifestyle needs to be characterized by godly wisdom. Colossians chapter four, verses five and six, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Outside where? Outside the church, outside of Christianity outside of faithfulness. Even if they call themselves Christians, but they're not living in faithfulness before God, be careful, use wisdom toward them. Don't let them influence you unduly to get you off track. Redeeming the time, taking advantage of the time you have right now. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Again, taking everything into consideration. James wrote, so if we need to walk in wisdom toward those who are without, what if we say, well, I, I, you know, I just, I'm not sure I have that much wisdom. Then pray to God about it. Pray to God for his wisdom. James 1 and verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 that no temptation has overtaken you such as is except such as is common to man. And God is faithful who would not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is going to be there with you and for you as long as you're walking with him in faithfulness and dedication. So you, you think, well, I don't know how to deal with this, whatever this is that's being thrown in front of me that, that is trying to lead me away from God. Pray to God for wisdom. Pray to God for direction, for guidance and protection. Our life needs to be centered, centered in faith. I've said many times, we might talk about our job as one part of our life, 
Our home life is another part of our life. We have some recreational or maybe hobby pursuits. They're another part of our life. Maybe some kind of social gathering with particular groups of people. That's another part of our life. And then some people, and then there's my faith. That's another part of my life. Wrong. If that is how you categorize your faith in your life, you're already drifting. Your faith has to be your life. Not a part of your life. It has to be your life. It has to be the governing force in your job, in your family life, in your recreational or hobby pursuits, in your social life. Your faith has to be your life. We need to stay on course. We need to focus on our faith. What is the basic way we can end up drifting away from God, away from Jesus, away from faithfulness, away from the church? And again, if we drift away from one of those, we're drifted, we've drifted away already because they all go together. You can't separate them and still be faithful and strong in your faith. What is the most basic way to become unfaithful? Just neglect your faith. Neglect your faith. Neglect your spiritual life. Neglect your soul. Neglect your relationship with God. And you'll drift. You'll drift. If you need to renew your dedication to God, we want to encourage you. In fact, we want to help you to do that. We'll study with you if that's what you want to do. We'll pray with you if you just ask us. In fact, you can step forward this evening and ask us to pray with you and for you. Or maybe you're at that point where you say, I'm ready to make the commitment to be baptized into Christ, to become a Christian, true Christian. We're here to help you with that. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?